All right, so what you need to know is my name is Caleb. I'm the student pastor here, if you do not know that. Um, what you also need to know is that I am an imperfect person. Um, anyone in here uh, just have like the person in your life that is just hard to forgive? They're like, man, I am just having, like, I, I just cannot forgive this person. Like, they are just a hard person for me to forgive. Like, they've done me wrong. They've done things. You just raise your hand in here. You have a person in your life. You're like, okay, perfect. Thank you. Like, two of you are raising your hands, and I'm like, you guys are liars. And so you're also imperfect. Um, but great. I'm going to tell you about somebody in my life. Uh, my neighbor, a very sweet woman. She's like 88 years old. Uh, from Japan, moved here in 1968, I think. I uh, got married um, to a man who was in the military. They moved here. Uh, he brought her to America. She, he died in 2000 um, and in six, I think. And she's been kind of on her own since then. She um, has lived in the same house. Totally, you walk in her house. It feels like you're in 1964. Like nothing has been updated at all. Like, it's, it's pretty amazing, actually. And she, very sweet woman, um, doesn't speak a lot of English, needs a lot of help, would come over all the time and ask for different things. Like, I would walk, like, repairmen, like, hey, here's what she's trying to tell you is wrong. Like, I, I would help her with all of that. I would fix things in her house and in her yard um, that needed things. And then one day, uh, she, uh, well, there's this blueberry bush, Okay, and it's huge, and it, well, it was huge, and it grew halfway into my yard, and she told me, hey, you can pick all the blueberries you want from here. If I, I feel like I'm reading from the Bible right now, and I was like, sweet, like, that's great. She's like, you can pick all of them, like, whatever you want, they grow on your side. Awesome. That was one year. Next year, I'm out there, I'm picking blueberries again, and she begins to get pretty defensive over this tree. She begins to take the branches and bend them back over to her side and tie them with a rope, right? So I like can't get them. And then I, I come out and I said, hey, well, what's going on? She was like deep in the bushes, right? She like jumps out like a wild animal. And I'm not even joke, like it is for real. And I said, whoa, you scared me. And she said, you've been stealing my plants. And I was like, one, why would I do that? I don't have time to steal plants. And then two, like, no, I haven't. Like I haven't stole your plants. Well, she is convinced now. Uh, this lady that I was friends with that we were like kind of ministering to um, is convinced that I come to her yard in the mornings and I steal all of her plants and I cut them and I take them. It's like the weirdest thing to be accused of, by the way. Like I never thought it would happen to me to be a plant thief, but it is, that's my life, okay? Um, but like something is going on in her mind, but here's, you need to know the stress. You need to know the stress is that when I walk out into my backyard to play with my child, to do my yard work, to hang out outside, she is always out there. And she begins to grumble, and then she begins to use words like, I hear her say like, pastor, and da-da-da-da-da, and then she begins to wail and cry, and she begins, it's sad, and she begins to scream at me then. And, and, and honestly, like, I try to understand, but, but it's something that, like, I struggle with because it's, it, it's something really hard to be accused of something that you haven't done. You know what I'm saying? Like, if somebody, like, that's probably the worst. Like, you're innocent, and they accuse you of something, and you're like, no, I didn't do that. But yet, she is totally convinced that I am. Like, it, it is a hard thing to forgive someone like that. 
then I struggle with having a lot of resentment like some of you do with some of your friends. Like I want, I want you to raise a hand real quick if, if that person um, is kind of like my neighbor that, that you have a hard time forgiving them because they continually do the same offense over and over again. Like it's not new things, but they continue to like lie to you or they continue um, to, to like make fun of you behind your back or they continue like, does anybody have that friend? Okay, great. Now you can put your hands down. Now, do you have the friend that you can't forgive because they've done something so big and so bad it seems unforgivable in your life? You raise your hand if you have that person. I just wanna know who I'm talking to a little bit. That's why I'm asking you to raise your hand. That's hard. That's hard. We've been talking through this Shook series where we've been looking at the things and we've been looking at this person of Jesus and our relationship with Jesus and the things that kind of shake that relationship up, that kind of make that relationship unsteady. And one of those things is based on forgiveness. See, what's really interesting, and I need you just to, to go here with me in this moment for just a second. What's really interesting about that person that we have a hard time forgiving. And what really like occurred to me um, as I was studying and I was preparing that, that that person we have a hard time forgiving when it comes to scripture and we, and we look in God's word, it turns out that when it comes to our relationship with God, us and God, we are the person that is so hard to forgive and continues to do the same wrong thing over and over again and continues to do the thing so big that everyone else would look at and say, man, that seems unforgivable. That when it comes to our relationship with God, you need to understand that the roles are reversed, that I am my neighbor yelling and accusing, blaming, getting things wrong, being rude. And when it comes to that, that we have a very different role. This is what, Scripture says in, in 1 John 1, 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we are lying, right? So if you're in here and you say, man, I am not a sinner, you need to understand you just lied. And so now you, in fact, are a sinner, right? He says, if we say, and we, he means the collective we, all of us, humanity, mankind, says that they have never messed up, that they have never done anything less than perfect. They've never cheated, never lied, never thought a terrible thought, never done a terrible thing, never seen things they shouldn't have seen, never gone places they said they weren't gonna go. Like, if we have never, if we say we've never done anything wrong ever, we're lying. Because each of us knows in our heart of hearts and in the deepest parts that you know, we in fact have messed up and messed up in some pretty big ways. He says, and if we are people who say we have not sinned, then we're lying to ourselves, and in fact, the truth is not in us, meaning that our relationship with Jesus, that we may not know Jesus to be who he says he is in God's word. We may not know him to be who he really is. That you need to question if you're in that place where you're saying, I've never messed up, I've never sinned. You need to question your eternity. But what I wanna gather from here he says, man, we say we have not sinned. We've lied to ourselves. He says, man, then, then what that means is that everyone has messed up. Everyone is on the side of the table where God is pondering forgiveness for us. 
where he's weighing our, our, our actions. He's weighing our, our, our bad works. He's weighing them. That sometimes this is where we stop when we read the Bible. And you need to understand, is this, if this is where you stop when you read the Bible, then you're going to have a lot of doubts about your salvation. And you're going to have a lot of doubts about a God of the Bible. Some of you are in here and you're like, man, I don't really know about, a lot about God. I know he's this big guy that casts judgment. And everything you said so far seems right. That he's questioning, am I good enough to forgive? And if you're in that place and doubts are going to come into your mind and they're going to sound very similar to some of these. That you've done something wrong, you've made a mistake. And in those moments and in those times when you're like, man, I know I'm sinful, I know I messed up. The enemy wants to whisper some things into your life. And some of you may even be struggling with this as you consider your sinfulness and you consider God that that. Some things that sound like, man, do Christians even do those things? Look at what you've done. Some of the lies you hear. Do Christians even do those things? Do real Christians do those things? Like, you know the things you've done. I know the things I've done. Is that really what a Christian looks like? Or maybe the lie that's been whispered into your ear when you consider God and you consider your relationship and, you, and you're almost ready to give up on that. It says, man, man, look what you've done. Aren't you supposed to be a Christian? Like, aren't you supposed to be better and you're not? Would God really forgive you again? See, what you need to understand is that your generation struggles with perfectionism. You struggle with it. You deal with it. You can deny it, but it's not true. You struggle. Especially if you have an Instagram account. How many pictures did it take to get that perfect selfie? Was it one? Was the first picture you took? Ah, yeah, got it. No, no, no. I bet it wasn't even the 10th. Right? Like, you took a lot of pictures, and then you filtered, and then you made it right. Why? Because you wanted it to look perfect. You struggle with it. That we struggle with this thought of being perfect. And then when it comes to facing our imperfection in front of a perfect God, sometimes it can lead to doubts just like this. Could God really forgive me again? Could God really forgive me for, for the big things I've done? And if, and if we left it right here, it'd be doing an injustice to the gospel. It'd be, in, it'd be um, doing a, a terrible injustice to, to the truth that God feels about you. See, that's the first verse. But in the second verse, this is what it says in John 1, 9. It says, man, the difference in the world and in our relationship with God is that we can find forgiveness. He says, but if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, which you understand, I want to clarify for you, is I've always grown up with confessing is like at night I lay down and I'm like, hey, God, I'm sorry I did this and I'm sorry I did that. And maybe I'm just general, like, God, I'm sorry I messed up today and I don't go into detail. I don't really tell him about what it is. I don't want to go there. God, forgive me. And I'm like, yes, he forgave me and we're on. No, what confession means is it's a much deeper thing. The definition of confession is to uncover and then to willingly abandon. 
When he talks about, man, if you confess your sins, he says, if you will uncover them, if you will expose them, if you will turn on the lights to the things in your life and the things that are going on, and then you will choose to willingly lay them down at the feet of Jesus and say, man, I don't wanna do it anymore. I don't want to look at that anymore. I don't want to have that kind of relationship anymore. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to smoke anymore. I don't want it anymore. God, I'm confessing it. I've messed up. And God, I need your forgiveness and I'm abandoning it. Give me the strength to abandon it. Man, there's a lot in that word. He says, "If go back to that verse for me. He says, man, if you willingly confess our sins, check his response. It says he is faithful and he is righteous or just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then verse 10, he says, but if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Again, if we say we have not sinned, if we say we don't really need forgiveness, if we say everything's just gonna be okay, we've done good enough, then you've gotta understand the truth may not be in you. You haven't recognized or come to a place where you recognize the value of Jesus and you recognize the need you have for him in your life. Verse 10, if you compare it to verse eight, it it can look very similar, but it's saying something very different. See, verse eight says, "If, if you say you have not sinned, you've lied to yourself. Verse 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, then we say he's a liar as well. And so if you're in here and you're like, man, I... I don't even think I need it. I don't think I've sinned that bad. I haven't done that wrong. You understand, You not only are you a liar and lying to yourself, but you're calling him a liar. And he says, man, that's not true. That's not the way it works out. He says, man, the truth is only found in Jesus. To truly understand or have salvation He says, man, it's only found in Jesus. He says, man, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive. He says, those who recognize God's holiness and imperfection and recognize their sin and bring it to light and lay it at the feet of Jesus, they don't find what we give those people who try to find forgiveness with us. See, that person that's done it over and over again, and you're like, man, I have that struggle trying to forgive that person that continues to do the same thing, that continues to lie. Our knee-jerk reaction, our immediate reaction is to say, I'm gonna create some space with them. I can't trust them. And so we assume that God's gonna do the same with us sometimes. But what you see in, in Proverbs 28, he says, man, if you confess, if you come to me for forgiveness, you'll find mercy It's the total opposite. He's like, no, I'm not gonna pull you away. I'm gonna pull you in. He says, man, I love you dearly. I'm not gonna, why would I cast you out? I wanna bring you in. I wanna purify you from all unrighteousness. Man, I wanna cleanse you from that. I want to not only make, bring you in and forgive you, but I wanna make things better for you. I wanna heal you. He says, you find mercy. And it's in those moments The Lord does a work in changing us. It's in those moments where you come before God and you say, man, God, I'm not gonna be general about my sin. I'm not gonna be just vague about it, but I'm gonna be detailed. And God, I'm gonna confess it to you right now because I need you in it. I can't handle it. 
And we begin to open it up and we begin to lay it out before him and bring it to the light that God begins to do a work in us, a change in us. Scripture says, man, cleansing us from that unrighteousness, helping to rid it from our habits and from our way of thinking and from our, our daily actions. And it's this process of him opening our eyes to see the world as he sees it. And it's this process of opening our eyes to see people the way that he sees them. And it's our process, it's a process that God begins to do in our heart of opening our eyes to see us the way that he sees us. That often we not only see people with different values, but we see ourselves with the wrong value. But when it comes to this place of, of confession, it's not just us saying, here God, here it is, take it, thanks. No, it's God saying, no, I want to begin to do a new work in you through this. As you confess it, as you lay it before me, I want to clean it up and then, man, add something to it, change it, make it different. I want to do something different. It's in this confession that he brings forgiveness. We see him and he brings forgiveness. And what you need to know, I don't know what you came in here believing about God and believing about who Jesus is, but what you need to understand is that anything outside of this, anything outside of a God who receives you with mercy and with grace is a lie. It is not the truth. It is not the gospel. It's not how God feels about you. What you also need to understand if you're in here is that outside of Christ, we can reveal our sin, we can confess it, we can uncover it, we can say, God, if you're up there, man, I've messed up, I hope you forgive me. But outside of Jesus, you stand unforgiven. Outside of a faith that Jesus paid the price for you, you stand with the debt of your sin resting over your head on your life. And here's the thing, the only currency you have to pay that sin is your own life. For the penalty of that sin, of that wrongdoing, of that imperfection, and in the eyes of a perfect God who said, I created you to be perfect and to experience perfection, and we turn from him, and he says, man, the penalty for that sin, the way to make that sin right is death, is a death. In the Old Testament, people would sin, they would mess up, and they would sacrifice something. Something had to die. Blood had to be shed for that sin. And when you stand before God without the covering of Jesus over your life, you need to understand the only way you have to pay for your sin is your own life. He says it leads to an eternal death and an eternal suffering. But yet, this is the good news of the gospel. God, in his great love for us, didn't create us to an experience an eternal death. He created us to an experience an eternal life. And because we messed up, he said, no, I will sacrifice and I will send Jesus to pay the price for your sin. So when you stand before me, I don't see a sinful human that did everything wrong. No, I see a perfect one who's all their sin, all their wrongdoings, the ones they've done, the ones they're doing, and the ones they will do, paid for. That Jesus paid that debt. He says, I see you as perfect, as my son, as my daughter, because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. 
He paid that price. His blood was shed. Blood was shed for you so that you may have life. So those who would trust in him as their sacrifice would have life, that he died on the cross and then he rose again, defeating death, giving you an opportunity for new life. It says those who place their faith in that, those who lay their sins before God and confess their need for Jesus, receive Jesus and receive salvation. And so as the band gets up, as we prepare to worship, here in just a minute, uh, you've got a couple options. You got three. One is do nothing. So that's pretty lame. Two is you have the option to maybe you didn't do this before, maybe you've always done it, I don't know, to actually read the words of the song actually sing them out, recognizing your sinfulness, recognizing your need, recognizing Jesus' great love for you. And maybe it's not singing that you need to do. Maybe it's on your knees. And this is your time where you say, man, God, I'm gonna lay it out before you. I'm gonna uncover it. I'm gonna willingly abandon it. And God, I'm gonna ask for strength in it so that I don't go back to it. The Bible says it's like a dog returning to his vomit when we go back to it. Man, I don't go back to that. God, maybe that's what you need to do in this time. You just need to spend some time asking for that forgiveness, asking for that grace. And the third option is maybe you're in here and you're like, man, my sin right now is gonna have to be paid by me and, and that's not the life I wanna live and that's not the God I wanna know. Man, I wanna know God and his great love and I wanna experience the life that he's given me. See, eternal life doesn't start when we die. Eternal life starts when we meet Jesus right now that we get to live in freedom not with no fear of death and no sting of sin like that it is there. And we get to experience it now. Some of you, God's calling you to make a decision for Jesus tonight. You would stand up courageously, you'd walk to the back, you'd find a leader. Man, and, and you'd give your life to Christ. You got some options. And so as we bow our heads, as we close our eyes, In this moment, I just encourage you to prayerfully consider what God is calling you. And maybe you need to be thinking, man, God, what are the things that are weighing heavy on my heart? What are the things that are not pleasing to you, God? Maybe it's just a prayer like, God, help me be vulnerable and transparent with you right now. God, maybe you know exactly what it is, exactly what the issue is. Maybe you need to be courageous. Stand up. Walk to the back. Maybe this is the time you put your faith in Jesus and stop trying to do it all yourself. Stop trying to be good enough and realize that, that Jesus has been good enough for you. God, I thank you for this time. I ask that you would move in powerful ways in this time. As we worship, as we sing, as we praise it, God, your words would be clear to us that, that, that we would sing 
and praise and worship God, not just out of habit, not just out of, uh, because everyone else is doing it, but God, because we mean it. God, may it be a pleasing noise to you. May you be pleased by our, our heart's worship in this moment. God, we love you. I thank you for forgiveness for my sins. Lord, I thank you for Jesus and for saving me and for saving my brothers and my sisters here in this place and for those that, that you would call to salvation even tonight, God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. When we've messed up, you forgive. Thank you, God. May we never doubt that. We never forget that. In Jesus' name.